Thanks for listening to another episode of the Idea Fountain. I'm Julie Pilot, and you can file this episode in the category of, I don't know who needs to hear it, but if it helps one person, it will be worth it. Fostering 101. Today, we're going to speak with Kenneth from the Foster Family Agency Child Help. Uh, And I'm going to share a real personal story. Last summer, we decided to foster to adopt and signed up to foster a baby zero to two. In about a month's time, we got an 11-month-old baby two days before his first birthday. A few weeks later, totally unexpectedly, there was an emergency with his sisters, and we made one of the hardest decisions of our lives. We decided to take them too. One is six years old and one is four. So we got three kids in less than 30 days. A lot of people will say, it reminds me of that movie, Instant Family. Surprisingly, even more people tell me, you know, I've always wanted to do that. I've always thought about looking into fostering. Today, I'm going to share our deeply personal story about the best thing that's ever happened to us. As always, I appreciate it if you can help spread the word, share an episode, or leave a review on the podcast platform. You can sign up for the Idea Fountain newsletter at theideafountain.co. And with that, let's get into it. I-D-E-A-F-O-U-N-E-A-I-N. This is the Idea Fountain, life-changing conversations. Okay, first things first. This number is so astronomical, it's difficult to believe it's true. Kenneth, is it true there are 56,000 open foster cases right now in Los Angeles? That is accurate, yes. And when you take into account, that is only Los Angeles County, Julie. That That doesn't count or... Those numbers don't come from San Bernardino County, Riverside County. That's only in Los Angeles County. So yes, that is that is accurate. And it is astonishing to see that that number is that high. And by saying open cases, what all does that include? So when you say open case or you refer to an open case, it just me- means that there, there may be voluntary cases where sometimes parents, uh, biological parents of, of children uh, may call the department or call the hotline because they're struggling to take care of their own children. And so they, they enter the system as on a voluntary basis where the department just kind of helps the family with resources and things of that nature. So those numbers get equated into that additional open cases means that a child is removed uh, because of either suffering uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse, uh, emotional abuse, or neglect. It's one of the four, you know, main reasons why a child is removed from their biological parents if they're safety concerns or safety issues regarding the well-being of a child. So Those are open cases when the department has to go and physically remove a child or children from a home. That's what you consider an open case. It's funny, I was reading an article um, about the reboot of Punky Brewster last week. And it was interesting, that was a show I really liked when I was growing up. And it's funny, they were saying that's really the only representation foster kids have ever had in the media. And they pointed out that in that show, Punky's mom went to the mall and never came back, right? And so you didn't quite know what was going on with mom or the struggle. But the truth is a lot of the kids are going through far worse trauma or abuse every single day. Correct. Correct. Now, it's so interesting that you mentioned the the reboot of Punky Brewster because I actually, prior to working with children and working in this field of, of helping foster parents, I used to work in the studio setting. And I have a friend that 
is has was doing is doing the makeup is a makeup artist on that show and i just literally started watching it i'm going to tell you julie yesterday and oh, i've been and i've actually been hooked cuz i grew up with punky brewster as well and i said ah you know what let me check this out let me see what they're talking about and it it is it's actually a really good show it's it turned out it turns out that it's a little bit better than what i was expecting i was expecting you know, something that wasn't going to be as realistic. Um, now, there's some little pieces in there that's like, oh, no, that wouldn't happen that way. But for the most part, it is that representation of, of foster care. And a lot of times also, Julie, it's unfortunate that the perception that people get regarding foster care is usually it's, it's super negative. Um, yeah. based on, you know, different other movies and television programs. When you hear somebody that wants to take in a foster kid, it's, it's, they're seen as these bad, horrible kids that steal, that are violent, that are, you know, aggressive. You get all of this negative thing, negative connotation behind being a foster kid. And it's completely not true. You're just dealing with children who have suffered trauma and it's it's unresolved trauma. And so when you, just like any of us, you know, that if you've had an unresolved traumatic incident, you're going to be, you know, you're going to have a little attitude and, you know, you may want things to go a certain way. And, you know, that's exactly how it is for these kids. Well, so let's walk through the different scenarios because I think that there is so much that's unknown to so many people that when you don't know something, there's a lot of fear, right? And um, a lot of people know I've volunteered at a place called Home in South Central and youth mentoring for a really long time. And I have seen a lot of the open cases on the other side of it whether there were kids in the system trying to get back to their parents or not. Uh, I've seen teen moms that have lost custody and I knew how much need there was. So when we decided that we wanted to adopt, it was really important to me to go through the county or, you know, go through the open cases, we'll talk more in a minute how I found you and about what a FFA is. But there's a kind of a few different routes people could go, right? People do private adoption. There are people that just do fostering and it's kind of like an open door and then there's foster to adopt. Can you talk a little bit about the differences and if somebody has ever thought in a million years of doing this, what they should maybe think about before stepping into one of those areas? Sure, absolutely. So basically, the way that the county of Los Angeles has kind of orchestrated with the Department of Social Services, which is Department of Children and Family Services, and the state of California, the way that they've come up with the new version of fostering, which has actually kind of been around for about, I think since 2017, I want to say. So it's only been a few years. What it's called now is RFA, which is Resource Family Approval. And what that means, they're trying to get away from calling foster parents foster parents and calling them resource parents. So they're trying to do this shift within the agency, within the, the whole realm of fostering, because technically what you're doing is fostering um, a child, but they, you're also providing resources for that child and for that specific family. So there are several different ways to go about doing this. One, um, like you said, there are strictly adoption, you know, where you can go in as if you just wanted to adopt. Now, the waiting list to get on to get a kid or a child in that kind of a process is, is years. It takes years to be able to get your name and your, you know, your status up to the, the top of the list or whatever to get a child. 
Um, and a lot of times the reason is, is because what they, the department tries to do and what the county tries to do is when they detain a child from family, the goal is always to try to keep that child with the family. And they always will try to reunify a child or children back with the family. It is only if they cannot do that, that that child becomes available for adoption. Um, also, if there is a safe surrender, which is rare, but it happens. So people will safe surrender their babies or their children and those children immediately come up for adoption. And those go to the people that have been on that waiting list to adopt. Um, so with regards to the way that it goes now, it's, it's generally, you know, with the RFA process, the resource family approval process, when you become a foster parent through this process, we do everything up front. Whereas before people would become foster parents and you would have to fill out and go through the process and you know, complete the application and go through all of these screenings and all these different things. And if for whatever reason you wanted to adopt that child, you would then have to go back and do additional paperwork to be able to adopt the child. Well, the county and the state said that's way too much. Let's just do something now where you can do it all in one compass. So what they do is called the RFA. And with that, we do the, the background checks. We do what's called a safe home study on you as well. And if, for example, we place a child in a home as a foster for you to foster, um, if that child becomes available for adoption, you would be the first pre people that they would look to to try to adopt that child, especially if the children have had a, a relationship with you. And guess what? It's already all the process of the adoption piece is already pretty much done because we do that up front now as opposed to doing it, you know, in the rears before. So. You know, I would tell people that are interested or who have, have ever been, been interested in fostering is to, you know, I would try to dispel a lot of the fear behind it. So one of the biggest fears that I get and I've, I've heard is that what happens if I get attached to the child or the children and they get returned back to their family? Um, I myself was also a foster parent. So I did this for many years, many, many years ago. Um, and one of the things that I tell people is that, yeah, that could happen. So the kids that we bring to you could absolutely go back to their families. However, I choose to try to let you think about the impact that the child or children that you have is making on your life right now and the impact that you're having on their lives. So all of us as humans will cross paths at, at some point, hopefully, and hopefully it's positive. So you think about the positive things that you will be able to instill in a child and that that kid would be able to go forward and use the tools and the seeds that you've planted and grow to be a, 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 a wonderful human being. Um, it is very scary when that happens though, if a child, if you get attached to a kid and they have to go home and whatnot, you know, but I always tell people, there's so many more kids out there that need love and attention. And so the door kind of is always open. So when one kid goes, yes, you're gonna miss them, but you think about the positive things that that kid brought to your life and the positive things that you brought to that child's life. And you think about there's other kids out there that may need that same love and attention that you gave to those kids. There's another batch of kids that need that same love and would, would love to be, you know, part of a family um, and whatnot. So I tell people work on let go, letting go of the fear of, you know, getting attached and just know that there's plenty of kids that, that just need love and attention. It's really like any relationship you step into, right? Whether it's a friendship or a job, it's like you go into a job, you can't just think like, is this gonna be the place I retire? Or what if I get fired? Or, you know, all of those things. It's like, sometimes you just have to trust the process a little you bit. You just have to trust the process. And you, you bring a good point because like you said, 
it can be that way with a job. It can be that way with school. You don't stay with the same teacher every single semester for the same subject. You change teachers and you grow and you evolve. And one of the things that we do at Child Help and one of the things that I encourage our families to do is that when they do have children and if it does look like there's a possibility of a family reunification that you know our foster families you know kind of develop a relationship with the biological families because at some point you can continue if that child goes home you can continue to be in that child's life so you think about it like this when you have a child that is removed from his or her biological family they lose everything they lose everything they lose people they lose connections they lose everything that they were accustomed to. What we want to try to do is encourage addition more than subtraction. So if you become a foster parent, you develop a relationship with a child, you become very close, you can continue to nurture that relationship with that child, even if that child goes home providing that the parents are okay with that. The parent, biological parents would have to be okay with it. Um, and in the majority of the times that I've seen this occur, the biological parents have been okay with it because they've struggled to be able to take care of their children and they open having someone that can assist them in any kind of way, whether it be, you know, you the kid goes back and you wanna take the kid to a baseball game, even though we're not doing baseball games nowadays, but if you wanted to do that, you can contact the biological parent and say, hey, I got tickets and I'd like to take, it would it be okay if I take, you know, the kid to the game or whatever. And the majority of the times these parents would appreciate an additional person and they know the impact that you've had on their kids. Yeah. Well, yeah. I always like to say nobody is just one thing, right? There can be people that love their kids a lot and don't know how to take care of their own life. Yeah. And uh, the same way there can be hugely successful people that are horrible parents. Um, and one of the things that I've really been surprised by, um, uh, not everybody knows this, but about 15 years ago, I had an interaction with um, child services because my mentee from a place called home was in foster care and we had to sort some things out for her and I had that interaction and then we're having this interaction now and I'm blown away by how much a lot of things have changed right um, I think somebody told me that in like and I tried to google and look for it but I couldn't find it that there was a court case like in 2012 where somebody representing foster children sued the state of California and won that they didn't have enough support or services. So, like what happened there? So it's called the Katie, Katie is her name. Katie A is the, the lawsuit in that. What happened is, is that this particular child was in foster care she grew up in foster care and I believe she was aging out of the system. And what happened is, is by aging out of the system, because once they turn a certain age, they're cut from the department, from all of the resources and things that they've known or had. Well, KDA came back and said, hey, look, I went through that system and this is where, these are the areas where the system failed me. I wasn't able to get this, I didn't have this, I didn't get this. And it created a humongous lawsuit for the, the county of Los Angeles, not just the county, but all of the Department of Social Services. And what that did is it created and put forth several new reforms, which have been amazing. So now the, the department has extended the number of years a child can be in foster care. And now, they're making sure that they have tightened up on the, the safety nets for these kids who age out of the system. More so before, what they would say is, oh, as long as the kid has their high school diploma, we can close the case. Hmm. Well, just because you get a diploma doesn't mean that your case is ready to be closed. It means that, yes, you've achieved another notch in, in your growth level. However, 
that child or that teenage, that young person still may not know how to go and, you know, open a bank account or how do I pay my rent on time? How do I do those things? A lot of times these kids and these young youth don't learn that by being in the system, you know? And so Katie, the KDA lawsuit is what brought about a lot of reform to the department and to the way that we service children now, which I think is a wonderful thing. You know, it's unfortunate that she suffered so much, but you know, it's making it better for a lot of kids now. You mentioned uh, being able to extend services when kids got older, but one of the things we've really benefited from were the mental health resources. Like, I think that the county needs to pay third party um, to keep an eye on uh, a case. And so I don't know what it stands for, but the MAT team, do you know what MAT stands for? Yes, it's a, it's called a MAT. What they do is called a, a MAT assessment. And I don't know what the acronym, what it stands for. Oh God. It's, it's like multidisciplinary. Yeah. Yeah. Something. It's yeah. kind of mental health targeted though. Yes, it is mental health driven, and part of it is it covers it covers all aspects of a of uh, a young person's life. So it, it focuses on the mental health portion. It focuses on the developmental piece. It just focuses on all the areas of a person. But um, we had uh, access to really high level people from St. John's that came okay. in and put our support team together, and they were. Okay fantastic so i think that um there is a you know um uh just a fear right that you're going to get a kid placed with you that you don't have support you don't have control what's going to happen to this kid are they just going to get thrown back and i think with kda what you're pointing out too is the system let her down so much that I think that maybe there's a lot more care, right? That every box is checked and everything needs to be done before there is placement back. Correct, correct. Or before there's discharge. So before the child is is cut free of the department, all of the boxes need to be checked. One thing that you mentioned, Julie, that I would like to to just kind of piggyback on is that, you know, um, in, in, providing all of the assistance and the support and the resources. If you're a a person who's thinking or considering fostering, um, one of the best things that I would suggest is going through a foster family agency, which is what I work for and what I do. And the reason is, is because if if you've never had any experience with fostering children or you know, had a lot of experience with understanding how to navigate through the county and the process of the Department of Social Services, which is a, you know, it's a whole big thing. You know, I want to say it's a big machine. It's a resource in a lot of ways, right? Yes, yes. And so the Foster Family Agency, we're here to help you with every step. So, you know, we provide 24-7 care if need be, 24-7 support. Let me rephrase that. The care also, because we do care, obviously, but we provide support if it's needed. If you're a foster parent and you wake up in the middle of the night and you just have something on your mind that's just bugging you or, you know, you can't get your kid to sleep or whatever, you can contact one of us and we'll gladly help you out. And as far as what we do is we take you from an applicant to becoming a full certified resource parent slash foster parent. You know, we, we help you along the way, basically. Well, I think that's important to note, and I'll share a little bit about my experience. When we decided we wanted to try to foster to adopt, like, you know, I went on DCFS website and signed up and had a really hard time tracking people down. And then kind of got the message that this could be a nine to 12 month process. And once I finished like some training and an application, somebody might be able to come by in a month or two, or we also had the opportunity of choose to work with a FFA, a nonprofit, a foster family agency. I had never heard of that before. 
And so I grabbed the list of FFAs and honestly, I think child help won alphabetically. Like there was one person I called first that didn't call me back and I doubt you guys. And Ken called me back and he's like, look, I'm gonna give you a list. There was a bunch of things I needed to do. And he said, we can somebody send somebody over there probably in about a week. And if you get this stuff done, you know, you could be ready to go in probably less than a month. And if there is one thing, give me a list and I will just start checking things off. Ranging from some of it was training, some of it was easy stuff like getting a vehicle inspection so I had a safe car or taking a baby CPR class or getting a health screening. But Kenneth and I knocked it out. Super fast, Julie, you were amazing. And then I'll tell the funny story of the other thing. So I think it's also good to know that you're not going on a complete blind date with this, right? You don't say you want a kid and just anybody shows up. You can be really specific. In our situation, we signed up for a kid zero to two because I've had so much experience working with preteens and teens in the mentoring program. I wanted to have that you know, younger child experience. So uh, I knew it could be a kid zero to two. And I'll never forget um, Kenneth asking me like what we had and saying, well, there's a pretty big difference between a zero-year-old and a two-year-old shouldn't we just wait to see who's available and then figure it out? And he said, you know, you're gonna need to be about 85% ready no matter what. You know, whether it's a zero-year-old or two-year-old, you're still gonna need a crib, probably a changing table. I had this idea in my mind, we would get a phone call and then just go to Target. So I did what I needed to do and we did go to Target before getting a call. And then next day we were setting up a crib. The next day after getting approved and we got a call. I I hope, tell me if this is breaking too much confidentiality by saying this, Um, I can always take it out. But the call I got was from Amber on your team. And she said, hey, there's a one and two year old with emergency need for placement and they have a three-year-old sibling in the hospital with burns yes and that was a tough moment because after you know wanting to jump in and foster to adopt for a long time to get that call but in my heart of hearts just knowing I was way over my pay grade you know maybe we could have done it Maybe we could have stepped it up and like taken one for the team, but I didn't feel ready. I didn't feel like we had the space, the living quarters here. We didn't have multiple cribs and I was terrified about taking care of uh, three babies with uh, burns. So we said no, and that was fine. It was absolutely fine. One of the things, Julie, that I I appreciate about you and that I, I, implore people that are looking to maybe do this kind of the same kind of work that you do and um, is to say that hey one of the things that we do like you said is you're not going on a blind date completely Um, we give you as much information about the child or children prior to placing them so you'll never get a phone call that'll say we're on our way with the kid that will not happen we will call you and give you information about the kid and you let us know if this is a a child that you feel would be a good fit for your home. Um, A lot of times we kind of think of it before we call you. So prior to Amber calling you and we had a discussion and we said, based on knowing how Julie is, this would be something that she could handle. Now, we didn't say you had to do it because we give you the option to say yay or nay, and it's it's completely okay. Um, you know, so we kind of give the, the parent or the person of the opportunity to, to, we try to match a good, a, have a good fit for you. And it is difficult when you get that call about a, a child that's been abused, you know. I've had to do several calls where I'm calling to see if a foster parent is willing to take a kid in a almost a full body cast because they've been abused so bad. So, um, you know, and that's tough too. It's tough too. And it kind of 
it eats at your heart if you have to say no, because you're like, oh my God, did I just turn down a kid? I tell people all the time, the kids are going to hopefully will be able to, and if it isn't us, they'll be able to find a good home for those children. But there is a child who needs you. And there's something about that kid, it's something about that, that sibling set that needs you. And, you know, if you go further to tell your story, I think that's exactly what you have now, the situation that you have now. Those, yeah, those I mean, you know, this sounds very doom and gloom and sad, and it's horrific to think right. about abuse or like you were saying, a full body cast, but man, kids are so resilient and oh, yes. I mean, we feel like we hit the jackpot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was funny. So we said no to originally the one, two and three-year-old that just felt like too much too soon. I don't think I'd changed one diaper since I was babysitting in 1993. So I wasn't ready to have it be three on one or three, right, three right, on right. two. Right. Um, and so we said no. And then we waited a few weeks and we got another call. And, you know, they said there was an 11 month old baby who already had sisters in placement, but needed emergency shelter. And it wasn't guaranteed that they were, you know, able to be adoptable. And um, I always have to go for a walk and think about it. And one of the fears I had, you can't rationalize fear, right? If somebody's scared of flying on planes, you can't talk them out of it. They're just scared of being on planes. I have no problem with planes, but I had a little bit of a fear of getting a newborn baby that was born addicted to something. Not because of long-term effects, but because I was scared I wouldn't be able to take care of them. Okay. Uh, I mean, I knew I could take care of them, but know how to make them comfortable. So I was a little bit scared of that. And then when I heard there was an 11 month old baby that didn't have any issues or anything, um, uh, I went for a walk and I was talking to one of my girlfriends and I just kept kind of getting the hit, if not me, who? And so we said, yes. And oh man, this baby, when uh, he came over to the house and pulled up, it was like, uh oh, he's really cute. And then, man, that day I signed paperwork forever. And then, uh, well, you know, the social worker, the emergency person brought him. And then Amber came over and I had paperwork on both sides and a house tour. And when they brought the baby over, I put him in a little booster chair and gave him some food so he could hang out with us. And he was just chilling. And then after everybody left, I gave him a little bath and bottle and put him to sleep. And he slept till seven o'clock the next morning. (laughs) And he never cried once. Wow. So we hit the jackpot and just like sweetest little munchkin you ever could get. And then, yeah, there was an emergency about three weeks later where his sisters needed to find placement, his four and six-year-old sisters. And, you know, I think we get so in our heads about what we can and can't do. And it just sounded insane to me to have three kids and- automatically here you go three kids you're like responsible for three little people yeah Yeah. and you know I was really committed to keeping the family together with visits and stuff and um I had met the sisters because two days after we got the baby he turned one and it was his first birthday so I had seen them and you know the one-year-old's kind of along for the ride doesn't really know what's going on but the sisters you could tell we're really traumatized by the separation. And, you know, it came down to there, there was, a, we were having a hard time finding somewhere that would place two. And so there was talk of them being separated. Right. And so, you know, it was a really big decision to take all three, but we did it. And best thing we've ever done. Oh, I love to hear that. I, just and, like I mean, again, like the kids just hit the jackpot and like, the smartest, cutest, fun, 
You know, one of the things I always used to say with volunteering in South Central is, um, you know, you can take a kid in Beverly Hills that's got their parents' car, credit card, video game system, you know, everything, and they're always bored. But you can take a kid that comes from nothing, and they're far more creative. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that similarly, you know, I have a lot of friends of privilege that have really spoiled, miserable kids. Right, you know? right, right, right. And like this sibling set who have gone through their own challenges just to be given an opportunity to be together and some resources, man, they have just jumped into gear and are such a joy. Yes. And you know, it's so, you're, it, it's, it's so amazing that just li me listening to your story inspires me and I was a part of it you know I was an instrument in your story and I'm so a major part of it come on major key right I know right and so I'm thinking to myself I remember the initial call about the the 11 month old and then I remember the siblings because the siblings we had in another home and that that home fell through and I remember the the clinical coordinator that was working the case came to me and said what about Julie and I said to myself oh I don't know because you know I knew what you had signed up for Julie I knew that you guys were looking for a younger kid and and you didn't necessarily say three kids you were looking for one so in my mind, I said, okay, I don't know. I said, let's, the only thing we can do is try the worst thing that can happen is she says no. And so that clinical reached out to you and obviously you said yes. And I can just say from, a, from their standpoint, from the kids standpoints, and to be honest with you, I don't think I've met your kids yet. I haven't. No, you haven't because of COVID. We've all been virtual. We've all been, yes. Yeah, so but on, be, on their behalf, I want to thank you. They're too little to thank you and say thank you for all of the little things that you do that, that are just, I mean, just from having to not watch your favorite TV show to watch cartoons, I thank you for that. For feeding them snacks and making sure that they get fed before you do, I thank you for that. So the little things that they can't say thank you for I say thank you. And knowing that whole piece, Julie, is that when we were looking at the, the siblings, we were going to have to split them. I mean, that was the only other option. So then you here you would have had three siblings who were already traumatized from having to be removed from a home, from their first home. Then you have them separated. So you have two and one. And then they were going to be traumatized again by separating the two. And so if it wasn't for you, those kids would probably be separated and, and would be, you know, and they're so little. And can you imagine them being separated? No, I, no, I can't. You can't even think about it. You can't even fathom it. But, you know, unfortunately, that is the reality for a lot of these kids, you know, that unfortunately... There's not, we have more kids in the system than we have homes for them. And how so, much of a crisis is it for you every day? These calls you get, like, I hear stories of kids getting removed and sleeping in offices downtown LA and stuff. Yeah, so, like, I mean, I guess on a scale of one to 10, how in crisis would you say the system is? I would say it's about a 11, absolutely. Wow. I would say about 11 and it doesn't get much publicity and it doesn't really get talked about a lot um but it, it's it's a huge need my my phone goes off day and night with emails and uh looking for placement for kids um and unfortunately when they don't have placements they do have shelters that these kids go to so the kids will you know have to go stay in a shelter until a placement is found for them. So um, it's it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. So that's why I kind of go, you know, uh, I try to reach out to people and say, hey, if you're interested, let me know. We definitely 
need people who are willing to love a kid and 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 show love and and teach them you know because i know those kids you got a bundle of joy over there with you julie but i know you're teaching them so much um you know i've heard about the time in thing that's like that's remarkable so the the the, the interventions and things that you use you are making such an impact on three human lives that is there's no amount of money that could ever buy that or or pay for that or or any of that so so do you want to hear my best uh, parenting moment so far yes please okay so before the girls came to stay with us i had the baby here and instagram got me uh, I saw an advertisement mm -hmm. for mom and baby matching Biggie Smalls pajamas. It's got Biggie Smalls on the pants. And then the t-shirt says it was all a dream. So I bought the matching mom and baby Biggie Smalls pajamas. I'll send you the picture. Yes. So then the girls arrived. The girls arrived. And here we've got Biggie Smalls pajamas and they don't, you know, right, right. but, uh, and they're like, who is this? So I look in my phone and I'm like, all right, let me see if there's a clean version of Juicy I can play. Right. And, you know, it starts out, it was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine, salt and pepper, heavy D up in the limousine. And then the chorus is so melodic and right. it's, it's very fun. Um, so this became like one of their favorite songs. And so you can put on Juicy and they'll scream, it's Biggie. Well, you know, they're here a few months and we've got our own playlist of songs and we get to January and the four-year-old is doing her pre-K Zoom school. And they're getting ready and they're talking about Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And they say, okay, this is Martin Luther King Jr. We're going to celebrate his birthday on Monday because he was a very special man. Martin Luther King had a dream. And my four-year-old screams, like Biggie, did he read Word Up magazine? Julie, you can't, you can't make that stuff up. Can't make that one up. <laughs> that is hilarious. So, <laughs> oh, that yeah, we is laugh harder. We laugh harder. And it's just so funny. It gives you so many reasons to celebrate. Like, you know, last month, you know, we did like there was a stretch. It was somebody's half birthday. We did Chinese New Year. We did right. Fat Tuesday and Valentine's Day all in one. Yes, know? all in one. So, and, and, you know, I tell people all the time. Fostering, you, you, you have to be able to make it fun because one yeah. of the things, you know, yes, you can, you can sit and wallow and understand that these kids have been severely abused. And then you can look at it on, on another side where they're in a safe place now and they're not being abused right now. So mm -hmm. try your hardest to just help make good, positive memories for them. That's all you can do. You know, Thing I think you mentioned to me early on that I think might be interesting to some people that are thinking about this is a way to dip their toe in the water. You know, yeah. a lot of the people, I don't know if I'm gonna, if it's fair to say a lot, but my perception of a lot of people who foster in LA is there are people that it's almost like a lifestyle, right? Like they may have four beds in their house and kids are coming and going all the time. And that's just what they do. Right. And they may not have as many resources. Right. And, you know, when you think of the term resource parent, if one of those families has an emergency, like needs to leave the state because they had a death in the family or something, they can't just pick up and take all four foster kids with them. The kids have to go somewhere that weekend. As a resource parent, isn't there the opportunity, I don't know if it's respite care or just to take kids short-term too? Yes, no, it is respite care. And one of the things, and that's another 
plus side to going with a foster family agency is that we will assist you with respite care. So for example, Julie, you are one of 20, I think I'm at 29 families now in my office location. So you're one of 29 families that have come through the same process you've gone through. Now, COVID has kind of set everybody back. My goal is to eventually have you to be able to meet a lot of those other resource parents just to cross paths, that's all. Not, not that you're gonna you know, make best friends or anything, it could happen, but- Community. The, the purpose of it is, is the community piece. And for example, if you needed to take a vacation or just needed a break, there would be another family that we have within our agency that your kids could go to and vice versa. If there was another foster parent that needed an emergency, you know, had an emergency and needed somebody that we would be able to ask you if you do it. So it, it kind of can go that way. Well, I think, you know, I just think of people I know that are peers of mine that maybe have one kid, but are thinking about adopting another, right? Like that might be a really good way to start, you know, just try yeah. having another kid around on a weekend or something right. as part right. of the right. respite care. Right. Um, I know this was a lot of information. What else do you want people to know just from your personal experience or about child help or anything before we wrap up? Okay, well, I would like people to know to, to actually look at our website at childhelp.org. Um, our founders, this is an agency that is so rich in love. And the reason I say that, and I say that confidently, is because our founders um, are both in their 80s, their upper 80s. I believe they're upper 80s, but 80s nevertheless. And they're still involved in this, this organization that they created 61 years ago. So they've been doing this for 61 years. And to date, they've, our agency has helped over 11, I think it's 11.5 million children. Um, that we've been able to, you know, help through some kind of struggle or, or you know, just through the system. 11.5. And also, like, just a fascinating story, right? Like, if I get this, tell me if I got this right. Like, your founders were two actresses that were both working on the Ozzy and Harriet show in Hollywood. And yes. like between takes, saw kids that didn't have any parents to go back to or something and realized there were all these kids in the street in Hollywood that didn't have homes. Yes. Well, they actually, they were overseas when that occurred. Oh, okay. So they were overseas filming a movie. I don't remember the name of the movie, but they were overseas filming a movie and they saw all of these orphans, these kids in the streets that didn't have, and they took these kids to their hotel because they were like, oh my God, this, these kids don't have a place to go. And so then they brought that back to the United States and then that's when they founded Child Help. And our, we have a hotline that has been used and that is currently used, <clears throat> um, you know, that people can use daily and children can actually use it if they're feeling, you know, some kind of way they can call and get support as well. Um, so yeah, they've, they've been actively involved and heavily involved in setting up just a, what I think is just a wonderful organization and platform to be able to help abuse children. And the, one of the things that I would just mention in closing too, is that if you are considering fostering, um, I say, just go for it. I say, go for it. Um, you know, go to a foster family agency. If you choose to come to child help, I'll welcome you with open arms. If you choose a different foster family agency, that's okay too, as long as you do it. Um, you know, because there's kids out there that could, could use a home and right. that could some love and support. And like you said, we don't see it enough. It's not talked about enough. Like, mm -hmm. you know, this is important too, but you'll see kids being separated from their parents at the border 
or something. And because it's on TV, everybody's up in arms, exactly. but it's happening in our backyard all the time that there's kids. Every that single day. And our statistics show that every, uh, every minute, five children die and not in foster care, but just they, they, they die because of, of abuse. So it's definitely something that's pretty huge that I think everybody needs to, you know, at least look at and be aware of. Yeah. You know. And it, it's a tough time now because kids aren't in school, at least right now, yeah. and they're not in the program. So a lot of the stuff goes unnoticed. It does go unnoticed. It's one of the most challenging times really for foster care, to be honest with you, because a lot of things don't get reported. You know, and what if and what if people aren't ready to foster, but want to support, donate, uh, whether money, items, all on the website? What do you Yeah, guys all on the website. And we have a, a location on our website for what we call the Hollywood House, which is the, the agency, the office that we have in Hollywood. Um, and there's, they can donate and, you know, even become mentors to people who are foster parents. So, it could be somebody that may wants to help support a foster parent, you know, mm. helping with getting diapers or providing resources to foster parents. That's fine as well. And like you mentioned too, I don't know if I stressed it, but you can actually become a respite home. So in other words, if you wanted to just sign up to become a resource parent, we can just put you on for respite care. So if you wanted to just take a kid, if somebody needed a break, that's also welcome too. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks Thanks so much for everything you've done for me, Kenneth, and our crew. And thanks so much for sharing all this information. Uh, I'm excited to keep pointing people towards this conversation. Okay, I appreciate you. I'm looking forward to seeing the biggie pictures, by the way. I'm going to send it. You're going to laugh. <laughs> I love the story. And thank you so much, Julie, for everything that you do. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you too. I think I'm going to okay. go check on some munchkins right now. There All right. Go. Have Last a good time. day. Thanks, okay, Ken. Thank Bye. you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Idea Fountain on Fostering 101. If anyone has any questions or wants to know ways they can help, you can hit me anytime at juliepilot.co, J-U-L-I-E-P-I-L-A-T.co, or at The Idea Fountain on Instagram. Our fostering experience is going to be a long journey, but our lives are so much richer since this has happened. I'm really thankful to you for listening to the story. And I also appreciate sharing this journey with the Idea Fountain community. Thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you soon.